Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Bulky Blue. Now, today is going to be a bit of a different start-up. Because although it's going to be Chelsea versus Man City preview, uh, I'm also going to be going over some of the transfer rumours that have been in granted let's not take it too seriously, but in the Sun uh, newspaper, um, if they're true, brilliant, if not, then it's the Sun, so, but I'll go over them anyway, because I've seen them, it was, um, I saw a link on Twitter, so I clicked on it to see who was there, and first name that's being linked to us is, of course, Declan Rice. Now they, these these links were for January, like who we're rumored to be getting in January, um, which for me that that was one of the big reasons it screamed bullshit. However, I think we might do what we did with Pulisic, with Declan Rice, um, basically before West Ham can slap the price up. I think we're going to agree a price, sign sign the contracts and all that, but he'll join us in the summer um, rather than... Rather, rather than, like, immediately, because West Ham are doing really well at the moment. They're not going to want to lose Declan Rice now. So... Yeah, I, I do believe that'll be a a deal similar to Christian Pulisic where we agree it in the January but we don't actually get the player until the summer. So moving on from Declan Rice because he is he's he's it's gonna happen, Declan Rice. We're linked with him too much. He wants to come, Lampard wants him. It's gonna happen. Um next one on the list is another Premier League player and another Englishman. And he this one plays for Brighton and it's Ben White, the centre back. Um it again make of it what you will. Paper saying he's a um Lampard's very interested in him. Now the big thing with that would be with another nameless on this list and who we've already got in centre-back because on this list uh, in centre-back we've already got Tomori who isn't playing Rudiger who isn't playing March Christensen who isn't playing but isn't that great Zuma and Silva Zuma is staying Silva I think is extending his contract We've got Rudiger, who I think will be sold. Tomori will be loaned. And Christensen will be sold eventually. Um, but on top of that, we've got Malang Sar in the equation. We've got Xavier Mbayamba, the Dutch centre-back, who we've got for our development squad. We've got Gerhi on loan. Like, there are so many different centre-back options 
as good as Ben White is, I don't think we need him. I really don't, because he's an out-and-out centre-back, whereas what we need is someone who can play left-back, centre-back, right-back to give cover, or even CDM to an extent. And I think for the central ones, centre-back and CDM, that's what Rice does. He'll play predominantly next to Kante, but if he needs to, he'll slot in in the back, in the centre-back. What I would say is we need a left-back, which brings me... On to my next player, which is David Alaba, that we've been linked to big time. We we got linked with him in the and in the summer just gone, and he would have been dirt cheap then. But with it being January, he's out of contract in the summer, June first, I think it is. So, what we can do is rather than getting him in January for a fee, we can agree a, a, agree a pre-contract with him. Personally, I'd say give Bayern a bit of money. Not not too crazy. Um, like 10, 15. 10, 15 million or so, max, to get him now. If they disagree, then agree the pre-contract. But I think if he comes in, we can we can then offload Alonso, Emerson. We can send Tomori out on loan. We can send Christensen. We could sell Christensen, and there will be someone who can cover all the all the positions. And I I want Alaba. I think he's I think he's a world class player, and he, I think he's been very. Unfortunate with the rise of Alfonso Davis. That's because Alfonso Davis has been exceptional. And who knows? Um, another rumour that has been fired around, and it's not just in the sun. So this one I'm actually... Um, well, it's actually a double, um, double rumour, but it's everywhere. And that's both Sancho and Haaland. Um, obviously, if we if we manage to get both of them, then <clears throat> um, if we get both of them, Giroud will be gone. I think. <clears throat> um, I think it will scream the end. For the likes of uh, Masonda in our development squad, um, like completely, he wouldn't he wouldn't even have a sniff because what what it would do would mean would have <clears throat> Hudson Odoi, we'd have Pudisic. So I'm writing these down as I'm going on the left wing, so they can rotate between each other. We'll have um, Sancho learning from Ziyech. And then on the right wing... <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And then up front, we'll have Werner, Haaland and Tammy all fighting for that centre-forward role. And I think that kind of... You look at it, 2010 under Carlo, we had Maluda playing exceptional. We had Kalu playing great. Drogba, Anelka. We had all we had big players playing brilliantly, scoring loads of goals, and they were still getting in that team. What you need rather than buying bit part squad players, you need to buy elite players to push the players you've already got. So if we do by some miracle get Sancho and or Haaland along with Alaba and Rice. If we get those, and then the pre-contract for the next player, who I'm going to mention, we could seriously be title contenders next season. And it's it's not not just an exaggeration, because I know we're not this season. This season was all about closing the gap. If we can get... Alaba, Rice, Sancho, Haaland, and then this last name, which is Donnarumma, the goalkeeper. We will be there or thereabouts come the end of next season because I don't think we're going to get all of these in January. Those five players I mentioned, because take Ben White out of the equation for me. Take Ben White out of the equation. Rice... 70 million. Alaba and Donnarumma on freeze. Sancho, 109. So that's 179 plus whatever Haaland is. Say 120, that's 300 million. Right? So 300. We can get money back on Batshuayi. So that's... Say we, say we say to Palace, 20 million and he's yours. So that's 280 million out net. Um, what, what is, I'm actually going to work this out as I go. Right. Right, so that's Batshuayi. Bakioko has a good season at Napoli. 30 for him. So that's 250 net. Then there's. Alonso, which we could probably get another 34, so that's 220. Jorginho, um, hold on, Jorginho, I'd say we can get back 40, maybe 50 for him. Marina, Marina is good at her job, but I won't push it. I'll say 40. So that's 100 million net. Christensen, 20 million. Which is 160 net. Um, who else is there? Who else have we got on loan? Fine. Just take 10 million for 
drink water, get him off the book, get his wages off the book. So that's 150 net. Um, trying to think. If if we get Alaba, we can sell Emerson as well. Emerson. We can get 25 for him. So that's 125 outlay. Um, Ampadu. Maybe 15. I know I'm reeling off names that we we shouldn't be selling. Like Ampadu. Um, But I do believe... They're not going to stick around if we're getting players in their positions, um, to be totally honest. I think if we get Rice, I can see us... Not, I don't want it to happen, but I can see us selling Kante for 70-plus. So, say 70 if it happens. That's Kante, that's a... 40 million net. That's not including what we get in loan fees. It's not yet. So it's not including what we get for loan fees. Then UCL money. If we make it, obviously. Um, TV, TV money. From Prem. Like... So, if we sell the players that I've just listed, so Batshuayi, Bakayoko, Alonso, Jorginho, Christensen, Drinkwater, Emerson, and Ampadu, even before, like, so even without selling Kante, that's 110 million net spend. Because a lot, that's like a lot of people mis, misinterpret this win, transfer window we've just had. We sold Eden Hazard last season. And we sold. Murata, Aina, and someone else this season. Like, at the start of this season. And we had, from just Murata and Hazard alone, we had 190 million just chilling there. Because we couldn't spend it last year. Even if you take the Kovacic money, right, that we paid for Kovacic because of the agreement, that's 150 million. So that's, Havertz, Werner, and Ziyech covered. So then that leaves Chilwell and Mendy. So we, we've technically only... Our net spend is like, I think, 60-odd million. So it's a... We we can we can we can manage it basically by balancing with sales and all that. Um But that is gonna be the end of the transfer rumours. Oh wow, Arsenal have just made it four nil. We have seriously re sparked their form, haven't we? Three nil against us, one nil against Brighton and now they're four nil up against West Brom. Jesus. Anyway, um, so that's going to be the end of the transfer uh, rumours. 
I'm going to move in to the Man City preview. Now, what I do want to say is, disclaimer, this could all be pointless, this City preview, because the match could still end up being postponed. Um, which, with our form, honestly, I wouldn't mind if it did. But, as it as it stands, it's still happening, so I'm going to go into the preview. Now, the first thing I just want to point out, we need to win this game. Not a draw, not a loss. We need to win it. End of. And the reason why is because Liverpool and United are tied first. 16 matches played. They're tied first. Spurs, Leicester and Everton are tied third. All 16 matches played. Us, Villa and City are tied sixth. Now, what I will say is there's a caveat with us being in sixth. We've played 16 matches like Liverpool, United, Spurs, Leicester and Everton. Villa have played 15 and City have played 14. So if we... If we lose to City tomorrow, they'll be ahead of us on points and they'll still have two games in hand. Whereas if we beat them, then if they win both their games in hand, then it it's only three points. It's not as bad. So, yeah, I, I just want to point that out. We need to win. Because of how many matches we've played compared to other teams. Now, in the press conference, Lampard said that basically Ziyech is facing a late fitness test. Um, Reese is out of his hamstring. Personally, I wouldn't even... If Ziyech is fit, I wouldn't risk starting him. And there is a reason for that. I will get into my lineup in a bit. Um, but moving on, Lampard said that two Chelsea non-playing staff have tested positive. Um, he also said about how the how the staff are getting tested twice a week. He said that safety should become before football, which I agree with. Um, however, I'm... I'm, I must admit, I'm just like the rest of us where I say, when I say that we all love football, so we want to see it as much as we can. Um, he also said similar that it's a must win and that he doesn't really see a weakness in their team. I don't really agree with that in a way because I think there is weaknesses in that team that can be got at. I think my lineup can get them. Um, whether we do or not is a very different story. Um, it's hard to say, but I will be getting into my lineup. Mendy and go. Um, all right, he's he's made a few mistakes lately, but. And it's a big, big caveat here. Look who we've got in instead of him. 
Czech can't play because he's only a part of our Premier League squad if there's COVID cases. He's an emergency, which was a very misinterpreted thing when he got announced. Kepa is meh, he's Kepa. And Caballero is much better than Kepa. So, Mendy is in goal. I personally don't have a problem with Mendy. He's reassuring with crosses. He's a big presence for the back four. It's simple as that. My back four in front of him, given Reese is injured, Aspie, Zuma, Silva, and Chile. Um, again, it just sort of picks itself, really. Midfield in front, Kante, Kovacic, Mount, with Kante in front of the back four. Um, I actually wouldn't mind seeing a pivot of Kante, Kova, and then Mount or Havertz with Pulisic beyond, uh, either Mount or Havertz, Pulisic left, Hudson Doy right, with Werner up front. However, we're going to be playing 4 3 3, let's be real. So, yeah, Kovacic and Mount in front of Kante, and then the front three. As I said, if Ziesch isn't fully fit, don't start him. Go with Hudson Odoi. Go with Pulisic left wing in his favourite position. And then, for the love of God, all that is good in the world, play. Werner up front where his position actually is play him there you bought him to be a striker play him as a fucking striker it isn't hard yes Giroud has been in good form lately but Giroud was in good form in restart and you still bought Werner to play as a striker Play him as a striker. It's as simple as that. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? If I don't think my lineup is going to happen, Giroud will start, Pulisic will be shoved out to right wing, Werner will be left wing. But I want to see Werner in his actual position and against City, who do play a high line. Let's not forget that. They do play a high line. They want the majority share of the ball so we can counter-attack them. With the speed of that front three, we can hurt them. In restart, Pulisic did exactly that. With the speed that, with the speed that he's got. And utilise it. Don't give Werner all these poxy responsibilities and then when when he's not tracking back or when he's struggling because he's not a striker and he's being asked to play left wing and his head's out of, out of, out of place but he's still trying. It's not fair on him. You bought him as a striker. If you play him as a striker, it'll give him a confidence boost and go, oh, wow, I'm actually playing my proper position. I know what to do. 
I'm going to go in and I'm going to score. So, there's that. Pulisic is Pulisic. Play him left wing in his proper position where he deserves to play. Because last season, his numbers speak for themselves. Half a season, he got 10 goals, 10 assists. It's mad. And on the right wing, Hudson-Odoi deserves to play. He, he really does deserve to play. He came on against Arsenal and was our best player on the pitch. I think, anyway. And then against Villa, again, he was brilliant. And he was running the defenders. He put in a peach of a cross. And there is one thing involving crosses that I do need to say. Um... (laughs) the amount of times we are going to the wing crossing it in and it getting headed away is really starting to bug me genuinely it's starting to really bug me because right if we're not going to play I think we will play Giroud I think Vernon will be benched if I'm being totally honest that's what I think will happen. And I know I said about Pulisic right wing, Werner left wing and all that. What I actually actually think will happen would be Giroud up front, Pulisic left wing, Hudson Doyle right wing. I do genuinely believe that. So that in itself could actually be a blessing in disguise. Because Pulisic loves to dribble in at players. Hudson-Odoi likes to dribble in, get to the byline and cut it back. Which is more varied. Doesn't mean we we can still have the occasional cross go in from Chilwell, from Aspie, not tomorrow Aspie. But not consistent, get it out, cross, get it out, cross, get it out, cross, get it out, cross. Because it then becomes repeated, repeatable and predictable. And if we we have got the players to pull off some fantastic, brilliant passing moves and cut teams open, we've done it. We have done it on multiple occasions this season. You get in and around the midfield, like the centre of the pitch, in... Granted, the number 10 role that Kai Havertz is phenomenal at. And this is another thing, which is why I think he's been getting a lot of shit that he doesn't he doesn't deserve. Because at the start of the season, when he was playing in that number 10 role, when we were playing the 4-2-3-1, he was playing fucking phenomenally. And no one can say otherwise. He's getting the ball, spreading it to Ziyech, Werner, because he was having to play on the left and Tammy up front. And we we were carving teams open for fun. The goals have dried out. And I think there are many there are a few reasons because of it. But ultimately we can't be relying 
on Ziyech to be the only person who can put in a fucking good, like an actual accurate cross. If Ziyech is playing, even, what game was it? Was it Palace? No, it weren't Palace. I can't, it was in the Premier League anyway, it might be Burnley. When he linked up with Tammy, 1-2, goal. And then against Sheffield as well. He weren't just whipping crosses in and like, like he was linking up and floating in and around the number 10 and the right wing and passing in between the middle. Who has Man City got over the centre-backs? Laporte, I don't know if he's fit or not. Ruben Diaz, again, I don't know if he's fit or not. Or I don't know who they co- their tests are, like their positive tests, because they've got five players out. Um... But either way, they're nowhere near as quick and as accurate as the likes of the front three I've mentioned. Pulisic, Werner, uh, Hudson-Odoi. And then with Mount drifting in and around that as well, Kovacic drifting in and around that as well to help out with the move, we can carve them apart. And it's not going to be an easy match by any means but we also don't need to make it harder for ourselves by just going out wide and then just crossing it in for Laporte to just go and knock it straight out or Fernandinho or whoever's playing in the centre back we need variety in our attacks and it's it's mainly been since the Everton game and I don't know why because before that, against Leeds, against Sevilla, against... Who do we play before Sevilla? Even Spurs, to an extent. Although we didn't score, we went through the middle a few times. And we got through them. We carved open Burnley doing it. It weren't just a crossing game. Yes, we scored a cross, we scored a corner... But it weren't just crossing. If you honest, if you just sit there and cross, 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 defenders are going to stand off you. Then go, go on in. Because then they know their centre-backs and themselves are just going to go, bosh, straight out, not even think twice. It needs to be varied. Needs to be. You look at Liverpool. Prime example, they've got the threat of Trent and Andy Robertson. They've also got Salah Amane. They've also got Thiago and Henderson, who can sit there and they can switch up between crosses, between wing wing play, Firmino with the interlinks and all that. And then you've got Thiago, who can just ping a ball for fun. Like... So varied. You look at City, they're another one. On the wings, they've got Mares, Sterling, Silva, who can cross it in. But then them same players can just drift inside, interlink with the likes of De Bruyne, Jesus, Aguero, whoever's playing up front. Bang, 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 goal. They can do it. We've got the capabilities of doing it because we have done it. We just need to see it more varied rather than, as I've said before, out to either Reese James or 
or Chilwell and cross it in and lose the ball. I'd like, I would really like to see the stat on just how many crosses, not from corners, but how many crosses we have put in the box in the last five games. So Everton, Wolves, West Ham, Arsenal and Villa. In them five games, I would love to see how many crosses we put in the box and how many were actually successful in reaching our players. I would genuinely love to see that stat because I bet the successful cross rate is not, I doubt it's even 25%. And that's being generous. I was getting so, so fucked off against, um, well, against all of them. I w- I, there was one point I literally, I literally screamed at my TV, stop crossing it. I actually shouted. And it, it was, it was so bad because yes, all right, it, it's worked in, in the past. We got our goal against Villa from across. So it does work occasionally, but when one in every four is going to your player and the rest are just giving away possession and you know you've got the capabilities to carve teams open like we have done, it begs the question, are they doing it because they're told to? Is Lampard telling them to do other things and they're not listening? Who knows? But against Villa, I weren't even angry about that result. I was so disheartened because it, it was just the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it it got to the point where I was just like, I genuinely didn't even want to watch anymore. Because after it went 1-0, it was 35 minutes or whatever of just get it up, cross it in, lose the ball. Get it up, cross it in, lose the ball. And I was just like, do I even want to watch this? We ain't going to score again. And the one time we did carve them through the middle, we did score. It was offside, but we scored. Went through the middle, goal. And they didn't, they just stopped doing it after that. It was proven it worked. Yes, it was offside. But you went through the middle, it went in. Against Tottenham, we went through the middle. Werner had a brilliant finish, but he was just like a, a few inches offside. We go through the middle, we carve teams open, we score lots of goals. And I want to see... Werner scoring. I want to see Havertz assisting, Ziyech and Pulisic doing both. I, I want to see our best players playing the best football that they can play. I, I don't just want to sit here and go, oh, well, it's another missed opportunity because we kept crossing in the box again. I, I don't like doing it, but you've got to ask the questions. Why are we doing it? Is it Lampard? Now, 
Moving on to that quickly. Right. There's been a lot said about Lampard in, Lampard out. And my whole thing on it is we could be 15th or we could be first or we could be 20th in a championship. It don't matter to me. Yet, yeah, right, maybe I'm blinded by the player who Lampard was for us. But at the end of the day, it ain't going to... He's always going to want the best for Chelsea. And I believe he's capable of bringing that. He's shown already that he can be tactically brilliant. You look at this season alone, right? Versus Spurs. Arteta went to Spurs, <clears throat> who we get com- who Lampard gets compared to a lot. Went gung-ho at Spurs, got beat. Pep did the same thing, got beat. Oli did the same thing, got smashed. Lampard actually went, you know what, no. I know what I need to do. Sit the team back. Don't go at them, let them come on to us. And make them uncomfortable. And then open them up that way. And we are, right, we we got a draw. We didn't. It was a nil nil, but we had three massive opportunities to win that game. Or four, if you count Werner's offside goal. And yeah, I mean it's it's crazy because he gets people are quick to jump down his throat and. Say, oh, Fat Frank and Lampard out, Lampard shit, blah, blah, blah. But they're never, ever quick to praise him. And that is one thing that pisses me off. Like, so much. Because if you can't support us when we're fucking losing, don't support us when we're winning. If you're just going to sit there and just give the guy nothing but shit because he's lost a game... Yeah, December has been poor for us. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been poor. He's got decisions wrong. But you can sit there and say he got decisions wrong and not be so dismissive all the fucking time. Like, for example, right? it came out a few days ago, midweek. Karen Carney, ex-lady footballer. She had an opinion about Leeds, right? She she turned and said on Amazon Prime that she believes that Leeds only got promoted because of COVID, because of the COVID break. And she justified her opinion by saying, well, without the COVID break, she believed that Leeds would have tired out and not got promoted. Her opinion, she's perfectly entitled to her opinion. And to be fair, right... The Leeds, Leeds Twitter account, they put it on their Twitter in response as banter. Like, oh, really? We finished tw- 10 points clear. It was banter. It weren't an insult what Leeds Twitter account did, the official one. So that part is fine. 
The part that isn't fine is the fact that she has now had to delete her Twitter account because assholes sending her a fuck ton of abuse because she had an opinion. Now, whether she's right or wrong or not, it's her opinion. She's entitled to it. And now she she's had misogynistic, sexist, abusive, um, homophobic insults thrown at her. I don't, I don't even know if she's a home, like, I don't even know if she's a lesbian, bisexual or straight. I wouldn't know. But the point is, she's had insults thrown at her, calling her the D word that lesbian women get called. I'm not going to say it on here. But it's just, it's horrible. Why do people need to do it? Um, Ericsson, one of one of our lady footballers, she put a, a picture out with her, before Christmas this was, her and Penila Harder. Now, for those who don't know, they're a couple. And... I was looking at it, because I remember saying a few weeks ago during the Rainbow Laces thing that players don't feel comfortable coming out with their, like, being open about their sexuality. And I turned around and said that as horrible as it is that they, they can't be themselves, I can understand why they don't want to out themselves as homosexual or gay, transgender, whatever it may be. I understand why they don't, because they're just going to get held abuse at, and they don't want that. Now, as I, as I was saying, Ericsson posted a picture on Twitter with her and her girlfriend, Panina Harder. It was actually a really nice picture. They they looked happy. They were in, they were in Christmas onesies celebrating Christmas. Wishing everyone else a Merry Christmas. And all you saw in the comments were... Not nice picture, not anything complimenting, complimenting any, any of it. All that everyone was saying was... Oh my God, is, is she gay? Is, and it's like... there were all right, There were a few people replying to those saying... What does it matter? It it shouldn't matter. And uh, if she's if she's a les- lesbian, bisexual, it's 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 who she is. But again, because of who she is, and I I actually applaud her for doing it, for having the bravery to post that picture. Because it does take a lot. Because they must have both, well, obviously they both agreed to it. Must have put that out there going, we're happy, but we know we're going to get abused. And that's not right. And it's... I know... 
not everyone's as accepting. And I wish they were. Um, because if they were, the world would be a much better place. Put it that way. If they were more accepting of race, religion, sexuality, whatever it may be, the world would be a much better place. But when it's not, or because it's not, you will always get situations like this. And, like, the media don't help. There was a thing in this, um, there was a headline the other day, and it was, um, it said, the headline was, footballers break COVID-19 restrictions, or something like that. I can't remember the first bit. But the second bit on a headline was cocaine fueled gay sex orgy. Now, it could have just said footballers break COVID restrictions, right? And then carry on reading. And then it could have explained what what was was who it was blah blah blah. But to completely go and publicise, they have. To be fair, I don't think they've announced who it was. But to actually sit there and go. Like, to specify gay sex orgy. What is it? What does that side of it matter? If they broke COVID restrictions, fair enough. The the cocaine part of it as well, fair enough. That's a drug violation. But if, if they want to have a gay sex orgy, that's down to them. That's their private life. It is crazy, but I'm going to wrap it up there before I go on a big rant. I hope I hope you did enjoy this. If you did, please give me a share around. I would very much appreciate it. I wish you a happy new year. I hope 2021 is better for all of you than 2020 was. And stay safe. And until next time, I will see you later. Goodbye.